We hope everybody who's Jewish who listens had a wonderful new year. We hope you atone for all your sins. Like my late best friend used to say, a gentleman from Baton Rouge, a gentleman from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, who asked me what Yom Kippur meant. I told the Southern Baptist, I said, it's a day you set aside to atone for your sins. And without joking, looked at me and said, a day? You might want to take a week. (laughs) Welcome to Being Jewish. I'm Seth. He's Dave. Hello. First of all, first of all, first, let's get the big elephant out of the room. Um... The things you'll do to get out of high holiday services. It's remarkable. It's remarkable. I mean, it's its like when I worked in baseball, the days you were not allowed to take off were opening day in the World Series. Those were the days you had to work. You, if you're going to pick three days that you need to be in a temple, it would be days one, days two of Rosh Hashanah and... Yom Kippur. You want to add the night before the Kol Nidre? Fine. That's four out of By the way, for our listeners, there are only days a year. For our listeners, there are only two days of Rosh Hashanah. There's a day one and a day two, right. not a day three. So really, you must be there for all the days of Rosh Hashanah. That's right. That's what I'm saying. Yes, and, and that used it. to be the case prior to COVID, unless you were unable to actually breathe yeah or you know you could be in a coma breathing but unless you were in that kind of a state you show up yeah you show up for that bar mitzvah or that bat mitzvah you uh you show up for the high holy days and then comes a virus that is just too contagious my goodness and it just puts everyone else at risk and because uh if you think about the uh I mean, A, we don't want to put people at risk. That's the most important part. B, if I bring that virus into the sanctuary on Rosh Hashanah, nine days later, it'll be Yom Kippur. So that means that with the incubation rate... There'll be literally nobody because it'll be the super spreader of of the decade. And my colleagues will be too sick too. It just, it does not serve anyone for anyone to show up into the sanctuary on High Holy Days with COVID. So... I had enough warning. We set up a plan B. Turned out we needed that plan B. And uh, we pulled it off. And there's actually... Well, hold, on, a... hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yes. Hold on. You said that very coyly. Uh, let, let... Coyly. You, did you, you said you had a plan B. You had a plan B before you had COVID? Yes, because I was exposed at the beginning uh... of the week. Explain. Explain to the audience. Well, I had two members in my household had COVID at the beginning of the week and were doing everything they could to keep me from getting it. And I was doing everything I could to keep from getting it, but it was a ticking time bomb. So we set up contingencies in place because we knew that that would be a possibility. So as soon as we knew that was a possibility, we also made sure that my colleagues were uh, staying in as much of a bubble as possible. Okay. So your family, and I, I, I assume only because we're doing this podcast, your family's okay now, correct? Thank God, yes. Yeah, okay. So everybody's good. And then Rosh Hashanah started on Friday night. Mm-hmm. When did you test positive for COVID? A few hours before that. 
sorry. I'm trying. I'm no. trying to take this seriously. Well, I know. It, 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 it's I, funny. I, the timing is perfect, right? I was starting to feel symptoms before that, but symptoms could be many things. And I tend to be one who gets sick when I get run down. And I, uh, the holidays and end of the school year, both of those times are times when I'll usually get some sniffles or something along those lines. That makes sense. And, but within the age of COVID, you also get highly, highly paranoid. Right? Is it COVID? I coughed. Uh oh. No, it's just a frog in my throat. COVID's everywhere these days. Oh, completely. Uh, and I am hearing of other colleagues who had to sit at Rosh Hashanah or Zoom Rosh Hashanah from their homes. You know, uh, Tons of people missing school at different points because they're sick. It's rampant once again. Yeah. I mean, I, I turned on uh, social media uh, two days before you tested positive, And I saw uh, two celebrities that I, I guess I followed or somebody retweeted both. The, the first two tweets I saw were Jimmy, Jimmy Kimmel saying that their uh, their podcast that they started to raise money for the staffs of their late-night shows, all the late-night guys started a podcast. It's actually pretty decent. It's funny. Um, they were going to do a live show, again, with all the proceeds going towards the staffs, and Jimmy Fallon tested positive. So he's Oh, out. no. Then they canceled it. Then the next tweet was Steve Martin, who's doing Steve a Martin show. Steve Martin got it. No, Steve Martin said he didn't have it, but his whole staff had it, so they canceled the, the His Vegas show. I was like, was oh, my sad. goodness, it's everywhere. I mean, for the record, if you want the perfect Steve Martin show, just watch this season of uh, Only Murders in the Building and go to the episode where he sings his song in that show at the end of the episode, and you will have all the <laughs> Steve Martin Steve you will Martin. ever need for your life. It is just perfection. It is. It, it is, is the greatest smart. moment in his amazing career. We can't say more without spoiling it, but perfect Steve Martin, Dianu. Well, here's my question to you about COVID. How uh, bad does it have to get before we start changing lifestyles again, requiring masks? I, I, I can't even imagine in this toxic culture, the word mandate ever coming into fruition. There'll be I, a mutiny. There'll be, th this is how we're getting to civil war. That is the uh, point that I agree with, Seth, that I was about to say that I don't think we have any more political power to require masks. That capital was spent. And now with the way COVID is, here's the thing. Masks certainly provide protection, but they are no guarantee. Right. Yeah, they are necessary. Would it be better if everyone were to wear masks uh, at this point in time? Absolutely. Do we stand a chance in hell at convincing the general population to put on masks at this time? I, I seriously doubt that that would be possible uh, at any level of society. Right. I mean, I can't imagine. There, there are people who are running for president right now that are running on the platform of, see, we never made a mandate. <laughs> There's, that's an actual, you know, talking point. Yeah. I, I don't know. COVID, you know, yeah. 
My wife just got vaccinated. I'm scheduled to get the vaccine this week. Um, Looks like I'm a few months off from needing it. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Always look on the bright side of life. Well, and let's do this because when the pandemic was in its its fervor, um, everyone got it to different degrees. From what I'm seeing from a distance, people who get it now get pretty freaking sick. I mean, like I don't hear anybody who said they got it and were just fine. Well, let's put pretty freaking sick in context because I actually had to look this up. I was wondering if I could go back on day six after symptoms because I still felt a little stuffy. And uh, obviously it got worse today again because I've been pushing myself to prepare for Yom Kippur. So, And they say if you've got none too uh, mild COVID, you may go out after day five with the masks. And given that I felt like utter garbage right? What constitutes mild COVID and moderate and severe? The reality is, is that most of what we are experiencing, unless you end up being near hospitalized or hospitalized, that constitutes mild COVID from my non-medical understanding. It's when you, you start to have serious implications on your body, like serious issues, breathing, or worse, so that's when we go into moderate, and then we go into severe. So, so you never had that. You just couldn't get out of bed. God. And from what I, I could get out of bed. I just couldn't get very far from it. <laughs> so you were literally like, because you're a very active person, you you haven't been. You literally uh, haven't done anything because you it, you have no energy. Well, um, on the record. Seth, you knew how little I could do because, as a joke, you challenged me to uh, an Apple Watch uh, workout competition. Well, <laughs> I, I got my points in doing walks around the block with my dog. Which I, <laughs> I was like, I was like, if there was ever a good time, you texted me and you're like, uh, just so you know, uh, I have COVID. I'm not going to be there tomorrow. And I said, oh, any chance you want to do a seven day challenge? <laughs> We'll play the long haul. Maybe uh, maybe the 10-day repentance challenge. That's you know, we, we could do a Yom Kippur challenge of did you do the work for that day? But uh, although I don't know if you get mitzvah points for that or if you just end up being better off for the year ahead. That uh, that joke, by the way, uh, my my late best friend, uh, Daryl, um, that he was not kidding. He was not kidding. He was so deadpan. He had such a great delivery. And was so on point because there was a big controversy. If you remember 20, I guess 20 years ago, 22 years ago, uh, Sean Green was a player for the L.A. Dodgers. And the Dodgers were in this pennant race and he was taking off for Yom Kippur. And I supported it. I said, it's, yeah. it, 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 it's everybody's choice, but I supported it. And people, listeners were coming at me and saying, I guess you're not working that day. Because if you, you know, you can't be a hypocrite. I said, well, I'm not working that day. So that's when I told Daryl, and I said, uh, I have to take off. Uh, It it was a Monday. Ironically, it was a Monday. And he said, what's Yom Kippur? (laughs) I said, (laughs) a day you set aside to atone for your sins. 
I thought that was as simplified an answer as I could give him. And he just looked at me and he goes, you might want to take a week. I lost it. I laugh now. 22 oh, it's years brilliant. Old. For the really? record, in case we have any listeners getting worried, though, lest we think we only have one day. Yom Kippur is like, it is the day where we focus on that. But really, you should be doing the work all year round. And we start the process of kicking into gear and reminding folks that they should be starting this work at the beginning of Elul, which is the month prior to Rosh Hashanah on the Hebrew calendar. So you have 30 days, then you hit Rosh Hashanah. And Rosh Hashanah, we start with the liturgy. We start with the prayers saying, this is now the point where uh, where the, the great accountant in the sky, right? God is starting to keep track of what we have done and what year we might have ahead. So if you haven't started working now, it's time to get to work. The gates of repentance are open. And then you have 10 days. Rosh Hashanah is on the first of the month of Tishrei, right? And the second, because we've got those two days, Yom Kippur is on the 10th. They're called the 10 days of repentance, Aseret Yameh Tshuva, or the 10 days of awe. And at Yom Kippur, that is really, this is kind of your last moment to get uh get that repentance under the door and dear listeners if you are thinking oh no i forgot i didn't do that work or i'm not jewish but i find this captivating and want to engage in such work or (laughs) (laughs) i just want to challenge him to an apple watch oh fair enough an apple they should have a repentance app on the apple watch they've got an app for everything else Come on, we can make a mint. You know, I'm pretty sure someone will have already done it if we've thought of it. Now. Shouldn't give these eight ideas away for free. I know. Well, yeah, yeah. Anyways, <laughs> the rabbis figured, you know what? Some people might not make it to the end of the day, right? They may have more work to do. So they actually extend this season where the gates are still open a smidgen. They are ajar all the way to the end of Sukkot and Simchat Torah. So we have through this whole holiday season uh, to make sure that we have done the work that we should have so that way we are ready for a year with a clean slate hopefully doing better so don't worry we're very good at fudging the deadlines (laughs) i've always (laughs) said if you want i've always said when it comes to religion there are so many customs and so many rules when you're judged quality of your person is what's going to be judged if you believe this and you subscribe to this you will be judged by how many people you helped how many lives you impacted not whether you ate unleavened bread that is not going to be what judges you you know that may be the minority opinion it might not be the popular opinion but I, i i i i believe it and it's not to say that you don't hold the traditions because you feel, you know, compelled to, but I don't believe that's what ju- that that's not what judges you. I don't know if I've brought him up on this podcast before. I think I meant to, but uh, have I mentioned Rabbi Yitz Greenberg before? Context. He is one of the greatest uh, theologians and pluralists of our time, and a real mensch. And he has been developing his theology and it's at the point now where soon his magnum opus that brings it all together will be published and 
he said that God set up three fundamental rhythms to creation, right? We are rhythms that kind of counter how the world would otherwise work, right? Things go to entropy. Things dissolve if we leave them untouched. And so he said the divine set these up as rhythms that we really work with, that exist as part of the divine fabric, and that as human beings we really should be trying to join in these efforts. Uh, the first one is that we need to move from chaos to order. The second is that we need to move from non-life to life, to bring life into whatever space we can. And the third is that we move from simple life to complex life, where we are always on qualitative improvement to make life better in every capacity, where ultimately the goal is redemption and perfection. And uh, Rav Yitz, as he likes to be called by his students, says that every mitzvah that we have, every sacred commandment that we have, these are tried and true paths from our tradition to achieve these rhythms and to move in these directions. And though that should be where our efforts are directed, right? We've got the meta purpose, which is to bring more life and to bring better life and to bring organization and some predictability into this world and he said if the mitzvot are not fulfilling that purpose then we need to rethink the mitzvah or readapt it to align it um because seth as you're saying right it's not did we light the candles at this particular minute however lighting the candles at that particular minute if they're meaningful to you bring order to the time and ensure that you are now going to take that special time with your family, with your friends, with your loved ones, right? That right. Uh, there is an underlying purpose to everything that we do. And yeah, if you do believe in that theology of judgment, you know, the, the judgments come on. Did you really get it? Did you do that right thing that you were supposed to be doing? Everyone has to come to it with a certain mindset. And what I like, and I, you know, I didn't have this when I was a kid. I was scared to death of Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur was the scariest of all the things, all the Jewish things that I, I was exposed to. I thought it was deathly frightening. And learning about, you know, what the holiday really means or what, what the day really means. It's not really a celebratory day. Um, you know, has only put me more at ease going into it. Good. When I when I was like eleven, oh my god, it was the scariest thing in the world. Well, here's the thing that I wish we did more of. They do a lot of this at um, B'nai Jeshurun on the Upper West Side. A lot of the music of Yom Kippur is actually celebratory. We think of it as, right, the day of judgment. This is it. You are in deep, you know, you're, you're in deep. If, uh, if you haven't done the work and you should be afraid, very afraid. I think that's the wrong approach. Yom Kippur is a gift, right? The entire process associated with it is a gift because we have some beliefs in this world where when you screw up, when you sin, that becomes a permanent stain. For us, while certain things cannot be undone, you can always come back to God 
you can always come back to your community. You just have to do the work. And Yom Kippur is this amazing statement that not you will be perfect and we have an expectation that you'll be perfect because nobody's perfect, right? Yom Kippur is saying, we know that we are fallible as human beings. And so we are going to have built-in release valves. We are going to have built-in mechanisms. So that way you are not either fully in the dumps or choosing to ignore the awful things that you do, but rather you're going to ritually become a better person. And we're going to remind you to do it every year. And you can do it with an entire community so you don't feel like you're on your own in this work. We read all of the potential sins together because each one of us falls somewhere in that list. Right. You got to love the alphabet or the acrostic list uh, that they put in the English translation, right? Xenophobia for X. I hate to bring some political stuff uh, into it. Do you hate it? No, I, I don't hate it. I, I just, I'm glad we didn't, lead I'm glad we didn't lead with it. How about that? Fair enough. And this is more about the huge Jewish population that supports Trump because on Rosh Hashanah, he posted on his little social media thing, just a reminder for liberal Jews who voted to destroy America and Israel because you believe false narratives Let's hope you learn from your mistake and make better choices moving forward. Ooh. That was considered by many to be an anti-Semitic statement. But here's the point. He says dumb things all the time. We don't talk about it on this podcast. He has a massive Jewish following. Yes. 90% of the stuff that he says, I don't hear. I, I, I tune it out. You know, uh, I, I'm not one of those people who watches hours and hours of cable news. I don't do it. But when I see a story about Elon, I, I say it. And I don't care who you voted for. Yeah. But in this circumstance, he made an anti-Semitic remark. And we cannot stand by anti-Semitic remarks. We, you know, in the positive one, we would call it pandering to the Jews. When you call out a particular group of Jews who didn't vote for you and wouldn't quite bring it up to the level of a threat. But I find it extremely insulting that he would make a statement that we should be voting exclusively on our self-interest. When we go to vote, we as human beings and as Jews have an obligation to vote for the person who we think will be the best president of the United States of America. As a Jew, I care deeply about Israel. Can I vote exclusively on what I think a government will or will not do for the state of Israel? I think that is me not fulfilling my duty as an American citizen to vote in this nation. You don't vote for a government in one country for the sake of another country. Some Jews will disagree with me, but uh, you don't do it. And for him to call us out and assume that that is why we would vote with generosity, I find it extremely insulting. Wild. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty ballsy and pretty wild. Look, I didn't want that to be the, the theme of the podcast, but I, I couldn't let the high holidays go 
when you don't see that front and center. Exactly. That wasn't just on social media. That was in mainstream media, too. And it was in right-wing media. It was in left-wing media. There was nobody who could avoid it. That should not be the theme in the news when it is that time of year. No, far more entertaining in the news was that article about the rabbi whisperer. It was in the New York Times a few days before Rosh Hashanah, or it might have even been the day of Rosh Hashanah, uh, where there is a woman who is a former ad executive who now works with rabbis to help them craft their sermons for the holidays and help her rehearse right. and practice. And I think she is of particular value. She's of great value to a lot of rabbis, it seems, based on what I read. She's of particular value to rabbis who are in the situation that I was at my last synagogue, where you have to write not two sermons for the holidays, but five, right? That's a lot of high-pressure output in a very short period of time, where you have to blow people's minds and not offend them too much, but just push enough, right? So uh, it, it seems like that may be a field for some. Yeah. And, you know, thank God for folks who are here to help us with uh, with ideas and thinking. I do not employ uh, such a person in helping me to write, but I am blessed with a few incredible editors in my life who will uh, do the fine editing and check for ideas. Uh, one of them being my wife who is uh, phenomenal and as an editor, and I am extremely grateful to her for that and other things, too. Good health so, to you, sir. Feel better. And thank you. Uh, I look forward to another year. If this is the new year, I look forward to another year of doing this podcast with you, bud. 26 episodes for 5784, right? We'll but, see you next episode. And a happy 5784 to everyone there. That is the Jewish year. And remember to share this episode with a friend. And leave us a review.